What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the According to Sources Football Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Burns. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, TJ Striano. You can find us at Twitter at TJ Striano and at Alex Burns Hoops. Be sure to follow us. We'll put all that in the description and stuff so you guys can find us. TJ, what's going on, bro? Nothing much, man. Just super excited to talk some football. There's been a lot of crazy news this week. And yeah. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of stuff. Dude, I'm doing good, bro. I got... I got a margarita right here. I made myself a homemade margarita. I just picked out some Carabas takeout. And I also, just for dessert, I have a nice iced coffee with a shot of espresso going. I know. I know. <laughs> you're, on that, you're on that newborn life, so that espresso is going to do nothing for you right now. I know. I know. Before we recorded, I was literally holding them for the past, I don't know, like hour or so. And uh, just spending some time. So, But I'm ready to talk some football. Uh, like you said, a lot <laughs> happened this week. And not really all, like, on the field stuff. It's yeah. all off the field stuff for the most part. Uh, but we have a great podcast. I'm super excited yeah. to talk. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, breaking down uh, divisions of football and kind of what we think is going to happen and kind of the breakdown there. And today is going to be uh, the NFC West. And if you listen to last week's podcast, we both are, are super high on this division. I mean, we think it's going to be one of the best divisions of football. Mm-hmm. I know, TJ, you said uh, you think um, Arizona is like a sleeper playoff team, mm-hmm. um, so it's going to be good. We'll get that. We'll get to that later. But uh, just before we jump in, a um, couple topics, some rapid fire, some stuff that happened this week. Oh man, two or not two, multiple players were arrested. I mean, the yeah. most notorious ones was Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker. Um, we were talking about that earlier. Things continue to come out about that, and we don't even know what's going on really. Yeah, uh, but. In addition to them, a whole other you know slew of players were arrested for separate incidents. What do you think about that? Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, so starting with the Baker and Dunbar news, because that was like the very first thing, and it's also the weirdest thing. It's super sketchy. There like isn't a clear picture of what's happening whatsoever on that. And like the worst part about this is between those two players, we're talking about like six potential draft picks wasted if they get cut. That's insane. Like the Giants traded three picks to get up to the pick-to-pick Baker, and then that pick they picked them in is four. And then Dunbar was traded for two picks. So that's like six picks gone in a matter of seconds and two starting corners who are expected to take big leaps. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I know when the news first broke a couple days ago, everybody was shocked. It was like, whoa, like (laughs) armed robbery? Like you held people at gunpoint? And then it came out, and I know I read um, that Quentin Dunbar's lawyer was adamant that you know these allegations were false, and that he had the victims write a letter saying that he was innocent, and then you had the same thing for Baker, and so, but at the same time, their bond is higher; <laughs> it keeps going higher, right? Is last time we yeah. talked, it was two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, and so I, the first report said a hundred thousand for Dunbar and two hundred for Baker, <laughs> and then now it's saying two fifty for Baker and two hundred for Dunbar. It's like what is even there? Uh, yeah. And apparently know. there's rumors there's a video exonerating Baker with all this too. I don't it's know. Like, what it, so apparently they held a group of people at gunpoint, and I know today when we were talking about it, uh, it made me laugh. I mean, nothing about this situation is funny, but it made me laugh uh, that when I read 12 people, I know it was like you said it maybe a little bit of both, or I think, what is it, Baker had four and Dunbar had eight people they held up or something, and together it was yeah. four. I'm just thinking, what? And then you said it could be, uh, you know, possibly where they lost, uh, you know, a, a good amount of money gambling and were trying to get the money back, and it's just a mess, and I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Their their whole news feed is 
hard to follow. Nothing makes sense. It's a strange situation. Just sounds like some rich NFL players are bored because of quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's really surprising to me is Ed Oliver getting arrested. Yeah, that was today. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was literally just – it said DWI. I didn't say if he was drunk or high. But homie's just driving around <laughs> under some kind of influence and carrying a gun around with him that he doesn't have any papers for. It's – dude, like you said, quarantine. I mean, listen, I'm quarantined too. I would love to go drive around with a weapon and under the influence <laughs> – but I just don't do it. But I guess that's what happens when you have millions of dollars. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, and, and then not only was it Quentin Dunbar, DeAndre Baker, and Ed Oliver, those are probably three of the most, you know, the bigger names that were kind of mentioned yeah. and were in trouble with the law. Then we have uh, Cody Latimer. What happened there? That was a surprise, too. That was, yeah. I, It was like four different things he got charged for. It was like instantly arrested on the spot. There has been nothing coming out saying he's innocent. Like, it's just like, yeah, he's in jail already. Cody Latimer, uh, and then Antonio Morrison, probably the, the least recognizable name of the bunch, but he's he was arrested uh, earlier this week as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have any comments on all that. I mean, it, we just got to wait to see what happens. Um, it could yeah. have a huge effect on the NFL, especially with Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker on their respective teams, especially, you know, Ed Oliver as well. But I guess we just got to wait and see what happens, and... Yeah, <laughs> kind of wait this thing out. Let the let the justice system do their thing, and and uh, I don't know. Uh, moving on though, because I mean, said enough. We can say about that. Uh, next thing I have written down here: Russell Wilson trade rumor. Canna uh, came out earlier this week that the Browns were looking to trade uh, for Russell Wilson. Or no, no, no. What was it? If the Browns weren't looking to trade. It was the Seahawks looking to mm-hmm. trade for the number one pick uh, back in 2018 when Baker Mayfield was you know the presumed number one pick. So. Uh, is that just stupid? I mean, <laughs> I I have mixed feelings about this. I hate it and I love it because it like means one of two things. It means that they're either like just trying to get younger at quarterback. They like know Russell Wilson's going to keep demanding more and more money because how good he is, or they're realizing that they are doing absolutely nothing to support him and they're like trying to get more modern and build around their quarterback of the future. So they're like, let's trade up Russell Wilson for Baker, reset our cap, get some extra picks, and get a more modern offense. So, like, if it's that, I love it. But if it's that, I also hate it, because why couldn't you just do that for Russell Wilson to begin with? Uh, I hate it. It doesn't matter how you slice it. I hate it. I think it's dumb to trade away Russell Wilson, or at least look to trade away Russell Wilson. I forgot who it was, but I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, and... The, it was a fantasy analyst, and they were talking about Russell Wilson, and he thinks uh, outside of Patrick Mahomes, he might be the best quarterback or the most valuable quarterback to his team because they really have not had that good of a roster the last two, three years, Yeah. right? Once the Legion of Boom kind of you know, either moved on or retired, they really didn't have that good of a squad, but Russell Wilson is so stinking good, man. I mean, and yeah. they don't even throw that much either. I mean, if he threw a little bit more, let's say he threw 600 times a game instead of you know, 450, 500, I mean – Geez, what would his stats look like? Because he's already as efficient as you can be, really, mm-hmm. for his workload. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's dumb. Um, I yeah. think we'll probably have a different opinion on that if Baker plays really good this year. I know it's weird, like, seeing Baker, Baker coming off. I said Bacon. Seeing Bacon come off. And it's weird seeing Baker come off of his year that he did where he really struggled and just looked awful. So it's like, why would you want to trade Russell Wilson for Baker? But I don't know. I think it's kind of dumb. Yeah, the question is, does Russ have the same success that he has in Seattle and Cleveland? 
And then does Baker look like a bust quickly, or does he look just as good quickly in Seattle? That's the real question here. I mean, Baker had Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Antonio Callaway. I mean, I know some of those last couple names don't really do a whole lot, but I mean, what has Russell Wilson really had outside of TJ or Tyler Lockett and now DK Metcalf? I mean, he had Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin for those years, but I mean, it's kind of the same thing. He never had a yeah. top tier receiver like a, a Hopkins, a Julio Jones, or, you know, he never had someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he threw the ball, you know, way less too the last couple of years. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's Russell Wilson all the way. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in, in the NFL. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to get too, get mad if we keep talking about that. Uh, also, a uh, supplemental draft happened. Yeah. Or is, is it happening or has it happened? It's happening. So the way it works is they schedule it at some point between the draft and the start of the season. It's mm-hmm. never the same date. They just like throw up a date and they're like, we're doing this. It's really weird that it's like that. But I'm excited. This could be like a historical one depending on like what happens with the NCAA. Yeah. So, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, um, but for me, um, I – I rarely hear about the supplemental draft. I just feel like it's one of those things that it doesn't get a lot of buzz. And I think it's getting buzz, especially on our podcast and, and maybe a little bit more buzz in, you know, in, in the media circles, just because we're kind of locked down and there's really nothing mm-hmm. going on to talk about. Um, so real quick, why don't you explain what that is? Um, kind of what the supplemental draft is, how it works. Cause I know like I didn't really know a whole lot about it uh, until recently. Yeah. So the way it works is basically like you get broken down into three categories, like the non-playoff teams that are like top, 10 or 12 teams are in one category. The like fringe playoff teams, so like 12 to whatever the cutoff is, or another category. And then basically playoff teams are a third category. And you get like, it's basically a lottery, like the NBA mm-hmm. at that point. So each one gets like lottery picks to see who goes first, or like first in the pecking order. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's like a blind auction. Mm-hmm. So they basically just submit lists of names to people, to Roger Goodell of players who have put their name in for the supplemental draft and are like, these are who we're interested in drafting. And then based on that, they, like, assign value to the people. Yeah. And then the teams, like, say, like, so say, for example, a couple years ago, uh, Sam Beal for the Giants, he came out. They said we would draft him with a third-round pick. Mm -hmm. So they had the highest bid, so they got him. Other teams could have said fourth round, fifth round, Mm -hmm. whatever. Whoever has the highest blind auction pick Mm -hmm. gets the player. Yeah. And then, so to my understanding, so for example, like you just said, Sam Bill, the Giants bid a third round pick, right, in mm-hmm. the in the next year's draft. And so, if if you were awarded Sam Bill, then you would lose a third round pick the following year. Correct. Yeah. So it's like a lot of teams, you don't have to draft, you don't have to bid, um, but I know some teams do. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's very bizarre. I just I don't hear a lot about it. Um, yeah. Usually it's like a last-ditch effort for players like Josh Gordon yeah. or Sam Beal. So, like, Josh Gordon was getting suspended in college, so he's like, bump this, I'm going to go to the NFL draft, yeah. the supplemental draft. And then Sam Beal, I think he had, like, a season-ending injury happen post-draft. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to go to supplemental draft, I'll rehab in an NFL program for a year. And there's play- people saying he could have been a second-round pick going into that season, too. Huh. So, like, the Giants got value with that, so that's kind of, like, the benefit of the supplemental draft. There's a lot of risk not a lot of talent, but you could get good value like that. Exactly. And like you said, uh, the, the players that are available for this draft are going to be players that are, were ineligible for the draft, you know, the, the 2020 draft, or, or like Josh Gordon, he was suspended, and he was eligible for the supplemental draft, and Sam mm-hmm. Beal was hurt. So, yeah, so that's how it works. So what do you think is going to happen uh, with this supplemental draft? What are some, uh, some hot takes or bold takes? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of big names that we could see come out if the NCA doesn't happen for college football for the season. Mm-hmm. 
So the way it works is like you have to be three years removed from high school and basically have your future season in jeopardy. So if like certain conferences, mm-hmm. conferences don't decide to play or they just cancel the season altogether, you could see people who would be draft eligible this year come out. Or you could see people who were, who were expected to come out last year but decided not to come out. So like you could see some quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, oh, Justin boy. Fields, <laughs> like that, like historic people like that come out. Uh, the things I think that are more realistic are players like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Chubba Hubbard, Devontae Smith, Tylen Wallace, like some players like that that were expected to be first, second round picks last year yeah. who decided to come back for their senior season, which might not happen now. So it's like, what are you just going to sit around and not play football for a year and a half or are you going to declare for the supplemental draft? Man, that's crazy. If, if players that are that big of a name enter this supplemental draft, that's going to be crazy. And it's going to be awesome because while we're all locked out with those sports, it'll give us all something to watch for. So, yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, my. Could you imagine if, if the Patriots bid off? I mean, I, I know if Trevor Lawrence or some of these big names come out, you'd see a lot of NFL teams start throwing bids at, you know, Adam. Mm-hmm. But could you imagine if somehow the Patriots walked away with Trevor Lawrence? Dude, the thing is, the Panthers would probably be the team that ends up with him, if you think about it, because it's based on, like, the draft order in a sense. So, like, yeah. the way the draft order fell is the way the, the tiers will be broken down. So eight teams could say first-round pick, but the Panthers would be the highest in the tiers. So the Panthers would be rewarded Trevor Lawrence without ever having a tank. That's insane. That's insane, yeah. It's definitely unprecedented times that we're in right now for this to be, even be possible. But, yeah, that, that's crazy. Um, you would so, definitely something to watch for, see if any, any big names pop up and, and stuff to watch for. Um, next topic we have, I'm really excited about this uh, because I think all we can all agree – the Monday Night Football booth, ugh, it's just not been good lately the last couple of years. I mean, I don't really watch the games for the announcers, and I don't really care about that too much. Um, but it's just been awful. Booger McFarland on the little sideline and then moved into the, the booth and, and and Joe Tessitore. And it's just been bad for the past couple of years. Uh, they're looking for uh, two new anchors. So for uh, the sake of fun, who would you like to see assume the role of Monday Night Football anchor? Yeah, I would love to see Dan Orlovsky yeah. and Pat McAfee. Oh, boy. McAfee is not going to happen. <laughs> it's like there's not even any point in talking about it other than the fact that like he was easily the best commentator of any sport for any game last year, oh, hands yeah. down. He oh, made yeah. a boring game so much fun. Yeah. And then Dan Orlovsky is just so knowledgeable, and he's like a rising star in the industry. So that's yeah. just like an easy pick. Yeah. The NFL really is the no-fun league. It really is because, I mean – for the sake of ratings and numbers, could you imagine what Pat McAfee in the booth would do? I mean, it's it's clear. Like, even the game yeah. that he did, was it two seasons ago, week 16 game, it was like the Packers or something, Packers versus the Jets. I mean, people just – I, I watched that game. It was a meaningless week 16 game. Neither team was in the playoffs. I watched it because Pat McAfee was the commentator. I don't yeah. understand why the hesitance to not let him in that role. I don't yeah. know. It's because he's like – unrefined and they're looking for like the Dan Rovlosky types where it's like they're polished. Yeah. They're under control. They're not going to say things that might get beeped on the air. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's why you have someone like a Dan Rovlosky where you can like even each other out, right. Kind mm-hmm. of outweigh his raw commentating. And then you, I don't know. I mean, it would be awesome. That was, that's going to be everybody's first pick, but we all know it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I have Kurt Warner. I, we talked about this earlier, Kurt Warner, Lewis Reddick, um, two guys that have been thrown around there, but I, I actually love that. Um, I've listened to Kurt Warner do, 
um, Monday Night Football games on the radio. He does like Westwood One, and so sometimes mm. I'm driving, I'll tune in. He's super good, and he, he's more like Dan Orlovsky, super knowledgeable, um, just about what's going on, and, and so is Lewis Reddick. So I think that would be a good duo. Um, I also threw, and I know this is like a a throwback. I also threw Mike Tarico in there. I've heard rumors about him being yeah. consideration. I like him. I liked when he did the Monday Night Football. What was that back in two thousand six and seven, like like fifteen like years that. ago? He was good, dude. I don't know why yeah. they got rid of him. Maybe it was his decision. I don't know. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind either of those. Louis Riddick is actually like my real prediction for what could happen. Yeah, and I could see a guy like Steve Levi coming up from like the college, yeah, like calling side to be his partner because Louis Riddick, like you were saying, is just super knowledgeable. Yeah, and like I think ESPN is going to be smart with him and kind of like tap him. Just so he doesn't get a GM job quickly. Like, if maybe if he's in the booth, he'll stay out of the league a little longer. Yeah. Well, they're looking to pay. I mean, a lot of money. I know what they offered to Romo um, to leave CBS and come over. I, I can't think of the exact number, but it was a ton of money per mm-hmm. year. I mean, it was it was like a huge. It was like Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey's contract. <laughs> like he is the highest running back in NFL history per year. It was insane. Um, another name. I know we talked about him last week trying to buy a team, uh, but Peyton Manning. That'd yeah. be awesome. Supposedly he's not interested. I know they offered him a lot of money too, and they offered him a lot of money before they even fired the Monday Night Football booth, and he still said no. So you think he would have like have called by now and been like, "Hey, I'm interested now. Give me yeah. the Monday Night Football booth." He's focused on bigger things. I mean, we saw the success Tony Romo had, a you know, former quarterback mm-hmm. who can just break down the play before it even happens. Imagine Peyton Manning, because I know Romo is good, but Peyton Manning was like an expert at you know. Yeah. He's literally he's literally famous because of Omaha for a. Uh, pre-snap audible like he would be awesome in that role i feel like and uh, he'd be calling audibles like during the coverage yeah it'd be insane he'd be like uh i can't <laughs> think of i just plugged it across. he'd be like uh jared goff is seeing safety coverage here and he's gonna call an audible here and it's gonna happen it would be insane what about his brother as, as a giants fan would you like to hear eli manning so i press conference eli is boring there's no denying that like it's notorious for how boring eli is in a press conference but there's like so many former Giants who have come out and say he's like one of the most fun people that they've ever played with, like outside of yeah. like professional setting. So I wonder if he would be like a really good commentator. Um, this is completely off topic, but to your point, it just reminded me. Did you read that story? I don't know if you're the one that sent it to me. I read it on Twitter somewhere. Um, but it was is a certain rookie that played for the Giants. I forgot who it was, and he got drafted, and they went out to uh, a restaurant. And I guess Eli Manning like kind of organized the whole team to go out. And they just racked up the check. I mean, it was thousands and thousands of dollars. And Eli Manning brought the check over to the rookie who had just got a signing bonus or his, his you know, just signed his, his rookie contract and acted like he was going to have to pay for it. And uh, after freaking out, he only had like a couple thousand dollars in his bank account. And after freaking out, uh, Eli was like, no, nah, man, we got it. And so he just, that story made him seem a lot more fun than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Like he just goofing yeah. off and being fun. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reports after the season ended that him and Daniel Jones were out like partying like frat boys. <laughs> So oh, like, yeah. So he's clearly yeah. like a fun guy out of the media press like spotlight. I forgot about that. I threw just another name. And this is not serious, but just just for the same way it would be good to have Pat McAfee in the booth. Jim McMahon. <laughs> Jim freaking McMahon. If you put what if they put Jim McMahon and Pat McAfee in the booth together? What if they put uh John McCrudden in the booth and on the sideline? Like he's wearing oh, a headset from the sideline. They could literally put Frank Caliendo in, and we would have John Gruden while he coaches the Raiders. It would be that would insane. be fun. It That'd would be, be so much fun. It would Frank be Frank Caliendo. Did you have anybody? Uh, any other name? No, I 
I had those two guys for the names I thought would be like the best choices, and then I had the guys I thought would be realistic. Yeah. Other than that, I feel like you covered the ones that are like the other options that are out there. That are out there. All right, let's move on. Uh, Rooney rule changes. I'm sure you heard about this this week. Yes. It's crazy. This pretty much dominated the headlines of the NFL for the past couple yeah. days until all the arrests happened uh, last couple of days. But, uh, <laughs> take it, man. What do you think about the Rooney rule changes? Yeah, I think it's kind of like the Rooney rule in itself. It has good intentions, but I feel yeah. like it's going to lead to more racism. So, like, my hot take with this, and you may or may not agree with this, is, like, yeah. there's going to become, like, token, like, black coaches that mm-hmm. get hired just for the sake of getting better draft compensation. Mm-hmm. So, like, Chris Richard, for example. Like, the dude was supposedly, like, a top NFL head coach candidate for several seasons. He gets interviews one year, interviews the next year. And then this year he gets interviews again. But this time his coaching staff that he was coaching for is gone. So how does a guy get interviews for a head coach? And not have a job at all after that. I don't know. Unless it's literally just to like meet the stipulations of some rule. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's not it the suggestion, and uh, I think majority of people, at least on Twitter, it seems like they're all shutting it down. I just think um, like you should you should hire a coach because of his talent, you know. Mm-hmm. And if and if I was a person of color and I got hired to to be you know, the, the OC or even in the front office, I would just feel, I wouldn't feel valued. I'd feel like they're just mm-hmm. using me to get a better draft pick. I don't think that's the way to really create a quality in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. You know? Sadly, I think it'll get passed though. Yeah. I think owners and like coaches are going to be like, oh, so you're telling me I could hire like a lesser tier coach and move up 15 draft slots in the third round and then yeah. just fire him and get who I wanted next year. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to take advantage of it. Totally. Like, there were so many, like, I was trying to, like, write notes down on, like, what would happen, but it's broken down so, like, <laughs> crazily, like, complexly, it was hard to even keep track of it. But basically, it was, like, you get a third-round pick that moves up if you hire a head coach or GM, and then, it, like, every year they stay, a later-round pick moves up. So, like, like they stay a year, a fourth-round pick moves up. They stay two years, a fifth-round pick moves up. Three years, another one. And then there's like different tiers for different positions too. It's so complicated. Yeah, it's it, I, I would pay so much money to be a fly on the wall in the NFL's meeting, like with just the, the you know the the top tier group who proposed this idea. What? Who's in the room that just like they need to have somebody that just stands up and says this isn't it? Like this yeah. isn't. I mean, it's it's awful. It's an awful idea. Like I I get the heart behind it, but it's just not the way to do it. Yeah. It just it just it it doesn't sound put together or thought out and even to your point like we're sitting here and we just heard about it a couple days ago and you're already poking holes in it i mean you're already you're already thinking down the road teams are going to abuse this and they're going to get their coach then fire them and it's just it's it's yeah Yeah. it's chris chris richard is the perfect example of why this rule won't work how does somebody getting head coach interviews as a defensive coordinator not have a job outside of like i can understand him not getting a head coach job but if he's good enough to be considered for that role, he should be good yeah. enough to be a defensive coordinator or a defensive yeah. backs coach or something. Or but he has, he's jobless. Or on a staff. Yeah. Or, or you know, in, in some capacity. Yeah, yeah it's it's dumb. I, it honestly makes me so mad because I'm just like, it's not hard like to promote equality. It really isn't. Like, it just, yeah, it's yeah. not hard. The best person for the job should be hired, at, regardless of their skin color. I mean, obviously. And then if the person isn't succeeding at their job, they should be fired. I mean, yeah. Everybody, there's no different. I, I hated Adam Gase. I still do. He was awful. He should he should have been like everybody. It, it's so stupid. I just, yeah. I don't know. I can't even talk about this. Or I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna keep getting mad. <laughs> we better move on to the next topic, or I'm gonna like blow up. 
Yeah. Um, this is a little bit lighter, um, but this actually came out, I think it was two days ago, but apparently Dirk Cotter, uh, Falcons offensive coordinator, was, was speaking about um, Todd Gurley and his, you know what he's going to do to the offense and kind of the game plan and stuff. And he said something uh, a little interesting. He kind of danced around the idea of not knowing 100% what Gurley's health looked like. Yeah. And I thought that was really odd. That you sign a guy. I know he's not getting paid a ton of money, um, but you sign a guy, and you know here we are in you know almost in June, and you don't even know about his health. And that was something that was a major storyline yeah. the last two years as he worn down because of the big workload. So I, I think that's odd. I don't like the way that sounds. Yeah, I. It's fishy to me, not because of what you're saying about how it's like you don't like how it sounds. So they don't know. Like, they have to pass physicals before they can even, yeah. like, technically sign with a team. Yeah. So, like, how did that happen if they're not sure if he could handle a workload? Like, are they – is there end-arounds going on right now because of the whole yeah. thing that teams are just, like, cheating in a sense? Yeah. And, and Tom, I mean, think about Rob Gronkowski. About a month ago, what, he signed with – he came out of retirement, signed mm-hmm. with the Bucks, and then he had to pass his physical before he signed. And then, it, you know, reports came out he passed his physical. Not a problem. So I'm yeah. just wondering, did, did he – I mean, you have to take a physical. Do they just not have that copy, or are they – I mean, maybe it's something where the the Rams gave them a physical they had on file, and it just was before. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works to that extent, but like something's fishy with this. It just goes to me. I just think about coronavirus and how much this is going to impact the season. Like we're already getting prepared to have no fans in in the arenas or in stadiums, but it really raises the question of how much more of an impact is it going to have just on like the preparation for the season. Like, you don't even know if yeah. your starter running back is healthy. So coming in, I mean, it's just going to be crazy. And especially if you don't get a full training camp, that's – I think that's going to affect the rookies so much more. Not having a full yeah. training camp, especially receivers and, like, rookie. So that's why in fantasy, like, we'll talk about, you know, fantasy a little bit later. But especially with receivers, like, for example, Michael Pittman, like, awesome awesome talent. He's going to be amazing. He's with Phillip Rivers. Great, great connection. Like, they're, they're going to be dynamite together. But yeah. I think I'm going to roll with T.Y. Hilton in the beginning of the season in fantasy, especially DFS, just because he's going to have no time to work with Phillip Rivers and build a connection. T.Y. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you could say the same for T.Y. because Phillip Rivers is new too. But just yeah. there's a lot of those, you know, um, examples out there where it just – who knows what the, the kind of impact the coronavirus will have on this season. Yeah. I saw somebody saying at the beginning of all this, like, the 2020 season is going to have a giant asterisk next to it for everything. Oh, yeah. Like, if somebody breaks a sack record, it's going to have an asterisk next to it, no matter how good they are. I don't think it should, though. For stuff like that, I don't think it should. But, like, no. it's just, like, kind of showing how different this year's going to be because of it. I just think it should, if anything, it should be harder to win a championship in this kind of format where everything's just thrown off um, mm. and, and just different. I don't know. Um, what did you think about, uh, this? like, the NBA, they said, whoever wins is going to have an asterisk. I'm thinking... Players just literally tested for coronavirus. Everything's been halted. They can't even get access to a gym to even work out. And whoever comes back and wins the, the championship, I mean, that's going to be – that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. That's not super easy. Yeah, I saw something, too, talking about the NBA saying, like, if somebody tests positive, they're not going to stop again. They're just going to yeah. keep going, and players need to accept the fact that that's a reality. It's insane. I don't – this is crazy. What about – and it just reminded me, too. This is also off topic. Um, but as far as with the NFL, no fans in the stadiums, um, there was like a, a kind of a decision being made now whether they're going to have fake crowd noise or they're just going to let us hear the the conversation and the talk from the field. I vote field talk all day. All day. One hundred percent. It'd be like mic'd up on steroids. 
It would be the best thing ever. That's another thing. That's another thing. No fun league. Like, I have a feeling they're going to play it safe because they don't want you to hear anything, and they're going to just pump in crowd noise. This is an amazing opportunity to build your ratings. Yeah. <laughs> How many people would watch the football if they they ha- you had the ability to hear what they were saying? I mean, insane. Yeah. It Like you said, ratings would boost. Football knowledge would boost, too. And I think players would become bigger fans of, or co- fans would become bigger fans of certain players. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rather than teams, if they could like hear the way they interact in the huddle. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, totally. And, and even just seeing the leadership that some guys have and pumping up their team, I mean, little, every little thing. I mean, I think it'd be so much better. Um, but I think we need to get into our NFC West division because yeah. I'm I'm about to ramble because there's so many things that are happening right now in the off season. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited yeah. about this, like I said, um, just because this is going to be the best division in football, I think, if everything goes according to plan. Um, yeah. So the first team we're going to talk about here is the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think about them? I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but just yeah. overview, go for it. Yeah, so just running through their like offseason moves they made this year. So they had a couple good picks. They picked up Isaiah Simmons. They picked up Rashad Lawrence. They picked up Josh mm-hmm. Jones. And Le- I want to say it's Lakai Futu, mm-hmm. but – Love those picks, and they got a couple of picks later on uh, with Evan Weaver and Eno Benjamin, mm-hmm. who are like really it will be really good rotational relief type players. Um, I don't see Benjamin being a huge contributor with Drake there. Um, Weaver, they've invested a lot in the linebackers, so he'll probably just be special teams. But I think like between the offseason moves they did to improve the line by adding Jordan Phillips and bringing uh, Chris Jonathan Bullard, mm-hmm. I want to say Jonathan Bullard into their defensive line room. Yeah, I, I just thought he was from Florida. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think they did a lot to make their their defensive line better, which is going to open up uh, Chandler Jones a ton. <laughs> Insane. And then bringing in a linebacker like Demet Kennard and Isaiah Simmons who can pass rush, yeah. it's going to be really good for them. If you think about their defense coming into the season, they're going to have, I mean, really elite talent on every level. You mm-hmm. have Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker in the secondary, and then yeah. um, Isaiah Simmons, Devon Kennard. You have Devondre Campbell, who was really good last year in Atlanta. Um and then, uh, obviously, Chandler Jones you know, on the line. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see. I think this is a team that's a really good fit for Isaiah Simmons to kind of be that versatile, do-everything player uh-huh. like he was at Clemson. Because Campbell can cover. Reddick and Kennard can rush. Chandler Jones can rush. The defensive line can stop the run. Good safeties and good corners. Simmons is going to be able to just float in that defense. Yeah. It, it'll, be, it'll be good. Um, and there's a lot of firepower in that offense, too, especially if – or in that division – yeah. Um, especially if uh, the Rams click, you know, they had a down year last year, but if their offense clicks, I mean, it's going to be crazy uh, in the NFC West. Uh, what do you think about the offense, some of the changes they made and, and kind of year two of Cliff uh, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? Yeah, I liked what they did bringing Humphreys back. I like what they did adding Gilbert, uh, locked up their tackle spots. They drafted Jones to be a tackle of the future, whether that's when Gilbert leaves or when Humphreys leaves. Uh, bringing back Fitz was huge. Adding Hopkins is insane. Mm-hmm. No matter what they give up for him, it was insane. And then giving up what they gave up to get him. It's good. Yeah. It's going to take a big jump this year. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of what we talked about earlier. It'll be interesting to see the connection that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have yeah. after not really getting the, the, the typical offseason to spend with each other. Um, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins for a second. Yeah. Obviously one of the best receivers in football. Not, not saying he's going to fall off or anything. I just, from a fantasy perspective, I'm nervous about drafting him. And I don't know if I should be, or I know something like the consensus has him number two. I don't know. I I don't know. I So I don't think he'll be bad. Yeah. He's, I think he's a top ten lock. 
Oh yeah. I don't think he's gonna put the numbers he's been putting up though, and I you probably agree with me on that. I don't know. I just think there's so many, and it's not even like anything to do with it. Kyler Murray is not as good as Deshaun Watson as a pass. It's, it's literally just they don't have a full off season, new offense, a lot, mm-hmm. of, and then a lot of weapons. Yeah. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's still there. Christian Kirk, uh, a, a lot of, and then uh, they have they have. I think, and that's one I want to get to too. I think Max Williams, Max Williams. That's going to be the biggest question mark for me because they really don't have a good tight end on the roster or a tight end that has really done anything. So it'll be mm-hmm. really interesting to see if Max Williams can contribute or have a substantial role this season for me. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. And then Kenyon Drake. Uh, Kenyon Drake was on fire. I think over the last three weeks of the season, he had over 400 yards and seven touchdowns, and uh, he had like over 20 touches a game. He was so good, they literally just got rid of David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Even though he was hurt. I mean, it's easy to think that he was just playing awful. I think he was hurt all last season. Yeah. Um, that's the reason why he played bad. But Kay and Drake, that's an interesting one, too, because he was kind of passed around a little bit. You know, came out of Alabama, had some knee injuries, you know, kind of slipped in the draft a little bit. The Dolphins just, for for whatever reason, Adam Gase didn't want to give him the ball. And when he did get the ball, he was good. And now he's in, a, in Arizona. And, man, with that improving offensive line, this could be an interesting – Interesting running game in, in the NFC West. Yeah, they're going to be good. And then defensively, like we talked about their linebackers a little bit, like they invested a lot into the linebackers this year. They declined the option of Redick, which like is makes sense for them with what they added. And then like they basically replaced him with like a better version of himself with Isaiah Simmons. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the defensive line. Chandler Jones is going to be a beast this year. Do you have any concerns about this team? Any holes or things that they, they have? Maybe their weaknesses? Uh. The biggest thing is going to be the offensive line play. They yeah. pretty bad line last year, but they did a lot to make sure that either they had continuity or they had improvement from it. Because I think, yeah. like looking back at the, I want to say the 2007 Giants when we won the Super Bowl, yeah. like we didn't have the best players, but we had, <clears throat> I want to say we still have the longest streak of five consecutive starters starting games together on the offensive line. And that's why like it was a good offensive line, not because they were good. Just continuity. Yeah, they had yeah. the chemistry. Yeah, you're right. You're right about them being bad. Yeah, Kyler Murray was sacked 3.1 times per game in 2019, 26 in the NFL. And they also tied Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan um, with being sacked 48 times. So, I mean, Josh Jones was a huge deal. Was it the third round? Yep, pick yeah. 72, I want to say. Yeah, so that'll, that'll do a lot for them. I'm also interested to see if Kyler, Kyler Murray runs a little bit more. I mean, I know he was pretty good there. He had 544 yards and I think it was four touchdowns last year on the ground. But he mm-hmm. only ran 93 times. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he's going to put up Lamar Jackson rushing numbers, but it'll be interesting to see if he if he runs more because he was efficient. Ninety three or five hundred and forty four yards on ninety three carries is pretty good. Yeah. So, I don't. Yeah, know. that's that's a that's like almost historic running back numbers right there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Do you have anything you want to add uh, before yeah. we move on to another team? Yeah, I just think that I had a couple of players written down to watch. I think Byron Murphy is going to have a big jump this mm-hmm. year. I think there's just going to be so much talent around him that he's going to get a lot of looks. Uh, which usually you would think that's a bad thing for corners to be targeted a lot. Mm-hmm. But there was a reason why he was the top corner in the draft last year or two years ago, whenever it was last year. It was two years ago. I want to say two years ago, but I could be wrong. I think it was I think it was Murray's class. I think he was their second-round pick. Uh-huh. Um, and he's just going to be a beast for them with having the good safety help above them, having good defensive line play, good linebacking play. And I yeah, think the only threat they have for, like, playoff hopes is if L.A. rebounds. Yeah, I think that's the only threat they have, really. Well, let's talk about LA because that's a team that I'm kind of, I'm kind of high on this year, uh, despite some of their offseason changes. I know they lost Brandon Cooks, they lost Todd Gurley, and then in the defense they lost 
Corey Littleton, Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. Dante Fowler. Uh, and then they lost Greg Zerline. And I know that's not like a, a huge thing, but he was one of the best kickers in the NFL. The legacy. Yeah, he was good. So they lost a lot of talent. Um, they did draft Cam Akers. They got Sean Robinson and Leonard Floyd as additions. I don't know. I just, I really just think it comes down to Jared Goff and Sean McVay um, and clicking. And Jared Goff looked awful last year. Uh, I I don't know if I have this written down. Let me see. Um, Yeah, I do. He tied Jameis Winston with 626 passing attempts, but he only had 22 touchdown passes on the year. That's insane. That's a three and a half percent touchdown rate. That's bad. That is awful. If you think about it, Jameis Winston had a, you know, Say which one about Jameis. He passed a lot because of Bruce Arians' system and because they were always, you know, in close games and stuff because he threw, like, six pick sixes earlier. Um, But, I mean, he had, like, a – I think he had 33 touchdowns last year and had, like, a 6% touchdown rate. And he's now a backup for the Saints, and Jared Goff is, you know, the starter. It shows why questions are being raised about him now. So, if he can play good um, and click with with Sean McVay and then get things back on track, they're a scary team to watch. Yeah. I like their first four picks in the draft in a vacuum. Um, Cam Akers could step into Gurley's role pretty easily, I think. I think he's going to get high volume. Mm-hmm. Jefferson's a good route runner. It's kind of a questionable pick, considering the receivers they already have on their team, but he's going to be a good player, so I like the pick. Uh, Terrell Lewis is going to be an absolute steal if he stays healthy. He's like a first-round talent who was like riddled by injuries at Alabama. Yeah. And then Terrell Burgess is just super versatile. He's going to add a lot to their defense. Yeah, I think well, other than the O-line, because I know the O-line, they re-signed um, – <clears throat> who was who they resigned? Andrew Whitworth. Andrew Whitworth. They resigned him, but I think it's a question mark coming into oh, yeah. the 20s. O line's going to be awful. Um, so I think that we should talk about running backs because that's something that I really don't really know how to project. Not even from a fantasy perspective, just in real life. I, I mean, they drafted in 2018. They drafted uh, Daryl Henderson in the third round, and then this year they draft Cam Akers with their first pick, which was in the second round. So it just tells me they don't trust Daryl Henderson. Um, yeah. I just don't know how this is going to work. Is it going to be Cam Akers or a timeshare? What do you think? Yeah, I think they took Henderson with the idea that they'd be able to keep Gurley, and he would just spell Gurley. Yeah. And I think that kind of showed when Gurley went down and they gave carries to CJ. I want to say it was CJ Anderson last year, right? I think – I want to say CJ Anderson was a Super Bowl year. I think it was Malcolm Maybe. Brown last year. Was Maybe, the, yeah, I think it was. Malcolm Brown. It was like Malcolm Brown and uh, Daryl Henderson. I think C.J. Anderson was like the year they lost to the Patriots. It might be. but So, yeah, so I like – I think they don't trust him. I think they pictured him as a rotational back. Mm-hmm. And I think they pictured Cam Akers as the starter going forward. And Daryl Henderson was good, I feel like, when he went in. And he was definitely good at Memphis. But Cam Akers is different. I think Cam Akers is really good. Well, Cam Akers produced behind a really bad offensive line in FSU – Probably yeah. one of the worst in, in college football. With bad uh, quarterback play and bad defense. And he was still productive. So um, I think he's great. I think he's going to be good. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. A player that I'm really excited to watch for, um, just real life and in fantasy, especially fantasy, and I'm giving away like some of my like thoughts, early season thoughts, uh, Tyler Higby, the tight end. He's he good. was phenomenal coming down the stretch last year. Um, once once they kind of pulled back the workload for Gurley, because, you know, um, the Rams played a lot of 12 personnel. They had two mm-hmm. tight ends on the field, and, you know, they would have a running back. Uh, when Gurley started slowing down, they put a lot of 11, and so they would have, you know, one tight end. Because he did, it was a Gerald Everett, and it was Tyler Higbee. But mm-hmm. at the end of the year, they just turned right to Tyler Higbee, and he was fantastic. So I don't know if that's a thing to come. I know they paid him uh, a little bit of money with a contract extension last year, but 
I don't know. I'm excited to see if that can 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 kind of head into the 2020 season. Yeah, he was like a sleeper pick the year they got him. Oh, yeah. So it's just cool to see him like starting to come into the the expectations they had on him. Yeah, the only other player I have to watch for their team is uh, Taylor Rapp. Yes. I think that they're going to use Terrell Burgess more in a nickel role. And with Eric Weddle retiring, I think this is Rapp's like, year to shine. I think he's going to mm-hmm. have a big jump this year. And then only threat I see for them is their own offensive line, like we were saying. I like, mean, that's like every team's offensive line. It's like, yeah. Most teams, besides the you know couple of them. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, it'll be interesting. Their defense is – I think their defense is going to be pretty bad, personally. I mean, I know you have Aaron Donald on your team. Um, I don't. I think it's going to be good. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think they're going to give up a lot of points. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of shootouts. That's why I think Jared Goff is an okay fantasy quarterback just because of the volume we'll see. Because um, if you th- if you think for a second, on this offense, you still have Cooper Cup. You still have Robert Woods. You have Tyler Higby. Josh Reynolds is going to be more involved. You added Van Jefferson. If he has positive regression in the touchdown area, I mean, if he's throwing 630 times like he did last year, he can throw a lot of touch. Lot, you know, he's going to make up a lot of touchdowns. So yeah, I don't know. Why do you think their defense is going to be good, or why do you think they're going to be good? So they added Jalen Ramsey late last year. We know about that. He has a full year. I shouldn't say full year actually, because they fired Wade Phillips, so it's going to be a new system. But he's like fully free of the drama in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And there's there's been so much stuff going on there that it's very clear that like he was part of the problem, but it wasn't just him. It's the Jacksonville thing. Yeah. Um. So you have Ramsey on the outside. You got John Johnson the third at strong safety. Taylor Rapp stepping up. You replace Clay Matthews with Terrell Lewis. I know you lost holes at the middle of the defense with Corey Littleton, but like Aaron Donald's going to make that defensive line good. They kept Michael Brockers. I don't think they they're going to regress that much defensively. I think yeah. having a new coach could be good for them mm-hmm. because for some reason Wade Phillips is always good for like two years as a defensive coordinator, <laughs> and then his defenses fall off. Yes, yeah, that's very true. I don't know. We shall see. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. the team that came one game away from being Super Bowl champions. Kind of came out of nowhere. They were pretty bad the last couple of years. What do you think? What's their outlook looking like to you? Yeah, I think their draft was pretty, like, eh. I think, like, so I heard this on Stick to Football, and I thought it was so true. Like, I wrote this down to say, like, Javon Kinlaw's good, but his ceiling is literally the player they just traded away. So all they did with that pick was get younger, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. But by and the time he Buckner, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah and divorce Buckner. But by the time he gets to the Buckner's level, they're gonna have to be paying him top money anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's like you kind of just like downgraded there for a couple of years. Yeah. And then like Brandon Ayuk's good, but you arguably could have got somebody that would have been more impactful at that spot. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, they're gonna be run heavy. I think mm-hmm. uh, the thing that the the big question mark for me is gonna be uh, Jarek McKinnon and kind of what role he has. I mean. I wouldn't be surprised at this point if he was heavily involved, but I also would be surprised if he was cut uh, before the season starts. Yeah. I mean, he was their prize free agency signing. I think it was in the summer of coming into the 2018 season, I think. I think you're right. Uh, um, and then he, I mean, injuries after injuries, just he's has yeah. been MIA. Um, I'm interested to see how he's utilized if he even makes the roster. Um, yeah. I do think Trent Williams, getting Trent Williams was good. Uh, yeah. Staley retired. That was one big note I wrote down for them, being able to flip a day three pick for when healthy a top five offensive tackle. Yes. And one who's familiar with Shanahan's scheme. I know it's been a few years since he played for Shanahan, but he's mm-hmm. still like, he knows this game. It's not going to be as hard of a transition for him as it could be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Cause I, I mean, I know this isn't statistically proven when you look back over the years, but I just feel like recently teams that have made the Super Bowl always kind of regress the following year, whether it's the, mm-hmm. the Falcons 
um, or it's the the Rams. They just kind of have that year where they fall off. After teams that lose the Super Bowl always kind of regress the, the following year. Yeah. Teams not named the Patriots usually do that. Correct. But I don't know. What do you think about Debo Samuel? Yeah, I think he's going to have a big jump this year. Um, I This is tough because I think Dante Pennis is good. I think he's just not a good fit for what Shanahan wants to do. Yeah. So it's like almost who's going to be the odd man out between like obviously Debo and Ayuk's receiving core. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's like who gets the targets after that? Is it Jalen Hurd? Is it Jawan Jennings? Is it Dante Pettis? So it's almost like they're just going to feed those two guys and run the ball like crazy. Yeah, they'll definitely be run heavy. I think they were number two in rush attempts last year, last season behind the Ravens. Yeah. Um, Dante Pettis is so frustrating. Do you remember how Who's- excited everybody was after like week one in 2018 when he like had a really good game and yeah. then he just kind of fell off? He had a good season. Of- he just had injuries. Yeah. Like, and he when just- he played, he was good. And I think coming into last season, they really were like, hey, we were high on him. And then he just – he underwhelmed in camp or something, and they, he just fell out of grace um, with them. I don't know. It would love to be interesting. Um, I agree with – I mean, they're a good team, top to bottom. They have a lot of weapons. Jimmy G is that guy that can – if he's put in a situation where he has a heavy workload and he, you know, he throws a ton of passes, he can be good. They're just going to be run heavy. And adding Trent yeah. Williams helps them tremendously in that. So Yeah. Uh, I think but, that was an upgrade, not even like a – like it wasn't like a flat line replacement. Yeah. I think they upgraded with getting Trent Williams. Oh yeah, well, well Joe's daily was. I mean, he was he was ready to retire. Yeah, he wasn't playing super good. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, they're going to be good. Um, looking to to make another run. Moving back over to Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I'm excited about this one. Um, <laughs> they're so. I don't even have a word to describe them. I just they're just so Pete Carroll every year. And yeah. yet they're competitive. I don't, that's all I know how to say. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think they, uh, free agency-wise, they did a lot of good things, like low-risk, could-pay-off type moves. Yeah. Uh, bringing in BJ Finney, Cedric uh, Agabui, and Chance Wormack <laughs> is like – Great job. <laughs> I don't know if I actually said it right. I just kind of like was confident <laughs> with it. Uh, BJ Finney has been a pretty solid center and guard yeah. type player for a couple of years. Uh, Cedric and Chance Wormack are like former early picks that – could pay off if they even like remotely rebound from what they were expected to be at. And yeah. then getting Greg Olson, Quentin Dunbar, Bruce Irvin, and then reta- retaining a couple of their own free agents is going to be good. And yeah. I know we talked about Dunbar. He could not even be on yeah. the team this season. But if he plays for them, having they have three good corners there then between him, Trey Flowers, and um, Shaquille Griffin. I thought it was funny that you, you threw Dunbar in the list with low-risk players. <laughs> Well, I didn't throw him in the list of low risk. He was just a key addition. <laughs> it was just funny. The dude that literally stuck out 12 people at gunpoint. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, hey, their defense has been average, I mean, for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, we already talked a little bit about Russell Wilson. I'm interested to see what happens to the running backs because they, I mean, Chris Carson was phenomenal last year before he, uh, you know, missed the rest of the season. Uh, I think it was a shoulder injury. Uh, kept him out. I'm not sure what it was. I don't 100%. remember what it was. I know Rashad Penny tore his ACL, but both of those guys um, were really good, and then they just hurt. And so coming into the season, you know, I don't think we're, we really know if they're going to be ready to, for the start of the season. Yeah. For training camp, if if we do have one, um, I don't know. I mean, if if Chris Carson is healthy, right now I have him as my running back 17 in fantasy rankings. If he's healthy, he's in my inside my top 10. He was phenomenal last year, both in PPR and just he was a beast. Um, yeah. What do you think about year two DK Metcalf? I think he's going to be a beast. They're asking him to do exactly what he's good at. Yeah. And I think 
they're smart enough to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love DK Metcalf. Um, I can't believe coming into last year's draft, people were low on him because of his cone drill time. Yeah. What is, it's, come on. It's, it's like basically like the side to side mobility test. And it's yeah. like if the dude is six, four, like what was it? Like two thirty? it runs a four, three. I'm not concerned how quickly he breaks into a slant. Like, just, yeah. set him straight, give him jump balls. He's he's literally one of the, I would say, apex predators of the NFL, um, size wise. And I, I don't understand the, the the thought process behind uh, lowering his rankings. I wasn't really on board for that. I thought he was going to be good regardless when somebody yeah. looks and is built like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was a pretty good receiver last year. So another year, another off season, if we have one um, with with Russell Wilson, he should be good. Yeah. Um, they got rid, or who do they have as, uh, I'm blanking right now. I know they signed, uh, they signed Greg Olson. That's who it was, <laughs> as tight end. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah. Could be good. I yeah, they also Will brought Disney. back, yeah, I was going to say they brought him back too, and he was good when he played. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, I mean, this division is going to be good. I, honestly, there is really, really, you know, strong strengths um, for every team we just talked about. And then yeah. kind of minimal weaknesses, I would say. So, this is going to be a fun division to watch. Do you want yeah. to talk about some of our uh, some of your predictions for what, what do you see? Like awards, who's going to be the top player in the division? Yeah, uh, things like that. Yeah. So starting with like playoff positioning for the division, I think the Cardinals are going to be like wild card fringe division winner of the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, offense is going to be super high powered, super fast pace, and like honestly, outside of maybe Arizona, which like they're not going to be passing against their own secondary. The secondaries in that division aren't very good. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty much like league league average or like slightly above league average. Mm-hmm. Like they're good enough, but not going to stop an offense like Arizona's going to have. And then I think San Francisco is going to win the division. I think Shanahan's just too good to not win the division again, even if it's at like ten and six or something. He's going to yeah. pull it off. Hmm. Uh, but, what were you going to say? Individual players, so like individual awards, so not. You know NFL awards, but just within this division, yeah. uh, who is your offensive player of the division? Yeah, I think it's going to be Debo Samuel. I think take. he's going to get used a lot more yeah. this year. Um, they have Brandon Ayuk to kind of take attention away from him. Improved offensive line play, like we we're talking about. I think these just get tons of different types of usage this year. Yeah. Who do you got? Kyler Murray. See, I've I've said so much about Kyler Murray the last yeah. two episodes. I didn't want to pick him again. <laughs> I just. I think he's going to be really good fantasy-wise and in real life. I think year two with Cliff Kingsbury adding DeAndre Hopkins, having a nice, uh, you know, um, running back in the backfield to take attention away too, and I think yeah. that's going to be really good. I want to see him run more, uh, but I just think if, if all goes well, and to your point, if they click, fast-paced offense, put up points, fun to watch, um, he has a good shot at getting that, uh, yeah. you know, being that number one player in the division. What about defense? Who do you have for defensive player of the division? So this is also part of why I didn't pick Kyler Murray because I didn't want to just pick two Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Chandler Jones. Oh, not Aaron Donald. Yeah, so Chandler Jones, I, I actually just saw this like right before we started recording. Yeah. He actually has more sacks at this point in his career than Bruce White does, who is like the all-time NFL leading sack total person. So like I think he's in line to have a big year with all the additions they made to their defense. Dude, he's, like, he's good. He, yeah, he's been close to the sack record a couple of times. This could be the year he beats it. And if he beats it, he's going to be easily a defensive player of the division, potential I, defensive player of the year candidate. I honestly think he is one of the most underrated players in the NFL, hands down. Easily. He was really easily. good in New England. 
um, earlier, I think 2015, 2014 and stuff. Um, but then when he went to Arizona, he kind of just kind of fell off, like from the public spot, like nobody. But he's still been putting up really good numbers, like you yeah. said, almost breaking sackers. So underrated. I don't understand. Yeah, it. I don't get. I it. think it's because like in New England, he got asked to do a lot of things, kind of like Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy did. Yeah. So it's like, oh, look at this player who's doing really good things at multiple different things, yeah. and now it's just like all they have him do in Arizona is rush the passer, and he's really good at it. <laughs> he's so good at it. What do you think? Uh, surprise player division. Somebody's gonna surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I got Rashad Penny. I think he's going to steal the job from Chris Carson, and he's going to be really good. Um, I think Arizona has shown that they don't care about draft status. They go with who's good. Um, I think that Rashad, gonna, Rashad Penny is going to play with a chip on his shoulder this year mm-hmm. and just show like he was worth the first-round pick. He was dominant at San Diego State. And honestly, Chris Carson's not reliable. He gets too injured. Mm-hmm. He does. That's his knock. When he's healthy, he's really good, and he's going to get a – ton of carries, but um, if he's hurt, which he always is, um, I like that. Um, who do you got? It's weird. And who's your defensive player, too? My defensive player division, I'm just going to go to Darren Donald. I know it's not exciting and it's not, you know, something crazy. I just think he's the best defensive player in the NFL, hands down, yeah. and he's going to put up numbers and he's going to be good. He's going to make a huge difference. So for me, it's Aaron Donald. Uh, surprise player of the division, um, I mean, I don't want to say DK Metcalf, because I don't feel like he's like a, he would be he would really be a surprise because he was really good mm-hmm. last year. But that's honestly who I, who I it immediately came to my mind when I was going over the show notes is I just think he's going to take that next step and I think Tyler Lockett we've kind of seen a couple seasons with him and Russell Wilson where they just had amazing amazing um, what's the word um, chemistry not chemistry but. Um, efficiency, where it's like he has mm-hmm. a little amount of targets every year, but he's catching touchdowns. Like his touchdown oh, yeah. is crazy. I don't think that's going to happen. I, you can't sustain that. And so I think mm-hmm. it's we're kind of in this season where like he's going to start being not phased out, but just slowing back and taking a little bit of the backseat to DK Metcalf. And so yeah. I think Seattle passes a little bit more in uh, 2020 than they did in years past. And I think that goes right into DK Metcalf. So when I say like surprise player, I mean, I don't think he's going to like, oh, he's just going to be good when no one thought he was. I mean, I think he's going to like He's going to burst into the upper echelon of receivers in the NFL. Kind of like what uh, what A.J. Green did after his rookie season. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, just was, yeah. like, amazing. Um, That's so, a little bit of a hot take, but I can get on board with it for sure. I just I'm – I'm a huge Metcalf fan, and I really don't care. Ever since I watched that video where Pete Carroll took a shirt off for him, I've been a Metcalf fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on down to potential season award winners. So, the, what we just talked about was uh, players who, you know, were in the division who we think could – uh, kind of break out and become some of the the, you know, the most known players, the the best players from that division. Now looking at the whole NFL, are there any players in this division that you think could contend for some of those like end-of-season awards, like MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah. So uh, going with the most prestigious award, MVP, I think it's Russ. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the same reasons why you're saying. I think that like they're going to be passing a lot more. I think they did a lot to – kind of like we talked about with the Cardinals – Create a lot of continuity with their line, yeah. and they did, they added some upgrades too. So like I think they're going to be a lot better on the offensive line, which will lead to Russ being better. Um, offensive rookie of the year, Cam Akers. Kind of also talked about this already too. He's just, I think he's just going to get that Cod Gurley type workload that Gurley got year one of McVay, mm-hmm. and he's good enough to do a lot with that number with that workload. So we can see big things from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the only other award I could see happening from this division is defensive player of the year, and I think it could be Donald or Jones. I think as long as Donald is healthy, he's a perennial contender for that award. And I just talked about Jones. I think Jones could potentially break the sack record for this year for a single season. 
and you can't break the sack record and not be in consideration for that award. No, I, yeah, I'm there. Uh, I think Cam back to Cam Akers. Um, that's a great one. I think he is going to see early down and then goal line work to Daryl <laughs> William or Daryl Henderson's. I think he's need a lot of passing, you know, work in the passing game. Um, yeah. for them. So I would be surprised to see Cam Akers get it. MVP, I don't think the MVP is going to come out of this division, but if it was, I don't I don't really know why you would say anybody other than Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, unless you're like Pete Carroll and the owner of the Seahawks who were going to trade him to <laughs> freaking Cleveland. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm just going to have to say Russ there. And the defensive player of the year, uh, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> some of the, some of the I thought about picking people. him. Yeah. Just because he's going to have a lot of uh, what wrath built up and just have a full season with a new system and and be ready to go. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Russ is going to win the MVP award. I think I, re- I literally wrote him down because he hasn't received an MVP vote yet in his career, and That's I was insane. like, he's going to play with the fire under his butt because of that. He's been so. I'm, I could talk for two hours straight about Russ Wilson. I just think he's so. I don't want to say underrated. He's just so good, and it's not appreciated enough. Like he's clutch. I mean. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, here, I'll say this. If Tyler Lockett played with any other quarterback, he would not have the efficiency that he has catching touchdowns for the past two years. I feel like you could just go, if Blank played with any other quarterback, he wouldn't have the efficiency or production he's had the last <laughs> he, few years. He would not at all. Yeah, but I, I don't know. going to be a fun division. Uh, let's kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, let's go towards uh, some fantasy football. I know it's early. It's kind of towards the end of May. Uh, but let's talk about our fantasy focus. Last yeah. week we talked a little bit about quarterbacks. This week we'll talk a little bit about running backs. Yeah. So uh, who are your top five picks, top five locks, players that you think coming into the season? Um, like, hey, I'm confident to draft them on my team. Yeah. Lock, set it and forget it. Yeah. So my locks for the top five are, like, pretty obvious. It's CMC, it's Barkley, it's Cook, and it's Kamara. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I think the, the number five spot could go any direction after that. I think CMC has so much talent, just like Barkley does, to not being in that tier. And they're going to get a ton of more usage this year, too, with new offensive schemes. Yeah. And then Cook is going to have a huge jump, which sounds weird Wait. with the huge jump he just had last year. Wait, say that again? Cook, Dalvin Cook, is going to oh have a huge gosh. jump. Oh, my gosh. Okay, pause everything. i got to hear this because I actually think the opposite. I don't think he's going to be – I think he's a lock. I just don't think it's going to be a jump from um, what, he, what we saw last year. But I want to hear your, your point. Yeah, so Gary Kubiak has created perennial top fantasy running backs. Every year he's been a head coach or an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He is the reason why Pat Shermer got a head coach job. He's the reason why Kevin Stefanski got a head coach job because he taught them what he knew, and now he is the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. I think the running game is going to get a lot better there, and they let go of Stephon Diggs in a trade, obviously. And I know they're replacing him with Justin Jefferson, I think they're going to rely more on Dalvin Cook this year. Huh. I can see that happening. I'll say the argument that I have against that is I just think they lost so many pieces on defense. So many pieces on defense. I mean, we're talking, what is it? Uh, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, who's elite still? <laughs> yeah. uh, Stephen Weatherly, Andrew, Andrew Sandejo. <laughs> uh, so much talent on, on defense that I think that, um, Kirk Cousins and their passing game is going to be forced to play from behind a lot because they're going to give up a lot of points, and so they're going to be in close games, neck and neck games. So I just I don't see him reciprocating the season he had. Although he was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he had 300 yeah. touches last year in a year that coming into the year everybody said he wasn't durable and he couldn't handle a large workload without getting hurt. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think he's an RB one. I think he's going to be a lock. But I don't know if that's a. Bu- 
I don't know. For some reason, that's like a bold, that's like a hot take for me. Yeah, I'm not, saying he's, I'm not saying he's going to break like the rushing record or yeah. anything, but he's going to take a big jump. And for, like to your point about losing a lot of key defensive players, um, they may have lost Linval Joseph, but I think they actually upgraded uh-huh. with who they replaced him with, with adding Michael Pierce. Okay. Absolute wrecker. I think he's better than Paul Joseph. I think um, Everson Griffin's going to be a huge loss. They didn't really replace him. Mm-hmm. And I think just getting rid of Xavier Rhodes is an upgrade. <laughs> so Yeah. I'm going to throw one more person um, in that list. Because, I, I mean, obviously, if you don't have Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Kamara, and Cook in your top, say, four, you're probably on crack. But, so we're talking about top five, top five locks. I have one person that... I think has the potential to be a top five lock and it's Joe Mixon. And I will, I want to admit in front of everybody right now that coming into last season, you were on the Joe Mixon train and I was not. And I crapped on him. We read our fantasy football draft at Duffy's and we didn't get like an argument, but we were just debating about how he's going to be really good this year. And I was like, I don't think he's going to be good at all. He has an awful, awful um, offensive line. Just everything's not looking good. And despite all of that, he was incredible. He was mm-hmm. really freaking good. And so coming into a season where they're going to have, you know, an upgraded offense with more weapons to take attention off and he'll probably see lighter fronts. Plus the dude was involved in the passing game like crazy. Man, I have it RB7 right now, but it's only because I can't physically put him ahead of the guys that you just named. Like I, yeah. I would I would be smoking something if I did that, but I just think he's he has a, the ability and the, the situation to finish there. Yeah, I so I'm getting a little ahead of like my my personal notes on this. But I have him as a top 10 lock this year. Uh-huh. And for like a hot take, I actually had him as a potential top three to five back too. So I'm right on board with you too. Yeah. I And also getting a little ahead, I have Zeke falling off this year. Wow. Not not drastically. I think he's uh-huh. still a top 10 lock. But I don't think he's going to be top five this year. I think part of his production was the scheme he was in. Not saying he's not that talented or the scheme made it for him. I think they're just going to pass way more this year. Yeah. And I think the fact that they – passed up on Cesar Ruiz in the first round and didn't address center until what was it? The fourth or fifth round mm-hmm. with losing Travis Frederick shows mm-hmm. that they're going to be passing more. And and rightfully so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it could even be where they just, um, CD lamb kind of fell to them in the first round. And I, I think Jerry Jones was on record saying they weren't planning to take him. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of just fell to him. And then I think that their plan could have just changed as the draft went on where they were yeah. like, Oh, we took CD lamb instead of getting a center, or, you know, getting someone like that. Let's just, you know, Let's, we need to get a corner, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, one more thing about Joe Mixon. I thought it was interesting. He had 313 total touches last year, so more than Dalvin Cook in a really bad offense. Mm-hmm. And the next closest guy had 83, and that was Giovanni Bernard. So, like, he is the true three-down, like, workhorse, bell cow. I mean, no one else is going to be really involved. I don't, I don't think Giovanni Bernard is going to be really good. Um, to your point about Zeke, that is insane. I have Zeke as a top uh, four running back. Actually, top three. He's my number three. Um, why do you think he's going to close down? Is there any reason besides the Cowboys being pass-heavy or just or just because you're a Giants fan? No, I, I'm not saying anything <laughs> away from Zeke at all. I, yeah. I have him on my list of him as a fringe top five, top ten lock. Yeah. I just think the rise of Mixon, and this is another name I have being on the rise this year, is Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. I think the rise of those two – Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry still being a top presence, as well as those other four guys, yeah. leads to him falling a little bit with the Dallas Cowboys becoming more pass-happy. Uh-huh. Nothing to do with Zeke, nothing to do with the Cowboys being bad. I think their offensive philosophy is just changing a little bit with Mike McCarthy. Totally. 
when I went through and I did my like rankings and like projections for running backs, um, I was really shocked to see the kind of year that Ezekiel Elliott had stats wise. Like I, because in our fantasy football league we had last year, one of our leagues we were in together, we did a trade where uh, I think it was I gave you Aaron Jones and you gave me uh, Ezekiel Elliott, and there was probably a couple guys other yeah. you know color other people. I, I know say, CJ Chark was yeah. involved. I think that, so. I was heavy at receiver. You were heavy at running back. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to say you gave me another running back too. I can't remember who. I don't know. But let's just say let's just say Aaron Jones. I had Aaron Jones. I gave him to TJ for Ezekiel Elliott. Comment on this video who you think won that trade last year. Um, I was surprised because I just I had him and he didn't feel like he had like dominant games as much as he has in years past. I'm looking at his stat total last year. He had. Over 1,700 yard total yards and 14 touchdowns. He had 355 total touches. And I don't know like if it's just me, but it didn't feel like he had that much success last year through the air and on the ground. Um, yeah, I, mean, I I agree with what you're saying. They're going to be more pass happy. Um, it's just Zeke, bro. And you guys got to yeah. play him twice a year. Yeah, again, nothing to do with Zeke. Their offensive line is so good, and he's so good, he's still going to put up good numbers. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to be top five fantasy running back. Because of rise of other players, yeah, combined with more passes from them. Two questions for you. We're moving through. So we've already talked about most of these guys and kind of what we think about them. Um, yeah. I have two guys that I want to hear your opinion on because I'm I'm kind of weird about them. Austin Eckler, number one, and uh, Nick Chubb is number two. Yeah. So I have Eckler as a top ten lock this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost said San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I've been doing that so much have shown they just pump out top fantasy running backs, like going back to LT. Yeah. It was the top five running back his entire career, basically, fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I, I think Melvin Gordon came in, like, immediately after him, basically. Top five or ten running back his entire time. And Eckler produced last year, so we have no reason to believe that he won't produce again this year with him being the, like, definite lead back. Yeah. I just – and <clears throat> yeah, go for it. No, you go, you go. Well, just to Eckler's point, like, everybody just jumped on – the Eckler train this offseason, and rightfully so. Uh, I drafted him last year in like the eighth or ninth round in one of my leagues and just killed everybody in the season for the first like four weeks because Melvin Gordon was uh, still holding out. Um, and so now it makes sense that now that Melvin Gordon's gone, he's going to jump right back up there because he produced a lot. I just, I have a really big problem with the fact that Philip Rivers left and uh, Tyrod Taylor's been entered into the starting quarterback role. I just, Philip Rivers historically has loved passing to running backs and dumping off. Like, has always had a guy. He's, he's almost like Tom Tom Brady. And so he leaves. And I think Naheem Hines on the Colts. I'm high on him this year. I think he's in my number 44 running back in PPR. But I think he's going to be really good because uh, he's with Philip Rivers. But I don't think this offense is going to be super efficient um, as it was in years past. Uh, I just don't trust Tyrod Taylor to support. Because I think we can agree, like, Austin Eckler is going to get a lot of his, you know, value from you know, the passing game. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I trust Tyrod Taylor to support a top 10 running back through the air in PPR leagues. But I mean, I have him at number nine, so I do believe he's top 10, but I don't know. And then they drafted, um, who they drafted it was, uh, they had Justin Jackson and they drafted, I have it written down here. I have to look it up. I don't remember who they drafted at running back. Um, it was, it, they drafted some guy and it kind of was the death sentence for Justin Jackson. I, I can't believe I forgot, forgot the name. Um, but I still think those guys are going to be involved a little bit, and I think Eckler, uh, I don't know if his body could, could hold up to a really, really big workload. But, you know. Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, that's who it is. A lot of people are saying that's because he's a threat to Justin Jackson's workload. I don't, I don't really think so. Um, 
the Chargers have been on record saying they want to have like a one-two punch with, between um, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. I don't know if that's just blowing smoke, but I don't know. But what do you think yeah. about uh, Nick Chubb? Yeah, I think he's going to be good. Um, like we kind of just talked about with Dalvin Cook with Kevin Stefanski and how good Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook was with him as OC. Oh, yeah. Kevin Stefanski is his head coach now, and I think they're going to be a lot better of a running team than they've been, which is scary considering how good they were at using Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb mm-hmm. last year. Um, I think Baker – I think the whole offense is going to get better under Stefanski, but I could see Chubb having a big jump. I have him as, like, running back 11, mm-hmm. who could sneak into top 10 anywhere from, like, 11 to mm-hmm. probably, like, 7 range. Can't seem to be yeah. higher than 7 without, like, a historic season. Yeah, I agree. I'm worried about Kareem Hunt, though. He was really good last season. In weeks, I I want to say I'm probably going to butcher this. Um, I think it was in um, the first four weeks of the season. Um, he was like RB four. Nick Chubb was or through week mm-hmm. ten. He was RB four through week ten. And then when Chubb came back from weeks or from when Hunt came back from weeks eleven through sixteen, Chubb was RB eighteen and Hunt was RB twenty six. And I don't know if that's going to be like more of a, a telltale sign of what we're going to see this year, where Hunt mm-hmm. has a full off season. He's not suspended. He's going to be involved. Hunt was really good last year. Um, I yeah. have I have an RB ten, so I'm actually higher on Chubb than you are by one spot. We're in the same area. Yeah. Um, and know. to your point about Hunt, too, they gave a second-round tender for him, too, as a yeah. restricted free agent. Yeah. So they obviously value him. They obviously want him. And they believe, like, even if they were just trying to keep him to trade him, they could get at least a second-round pick for him in the trade. So, Two like, things about Hunt. Number one, I think this offense is going to be so run-heavy. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're going to run so many times. I think they're going to be in the top three or five. Um, like, like last year, we saw the Ravens, the um, – the Vikings, we saw the uh, 49. I think they're going to enter into that kind of like tier. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be more than enough work for both of them to go around where they're both fantasy relevant. Um, I just don't want them to limit each other's upside or cap each other's upside because Chubb's freaking awesome, but so is Hunt. And if Chubb, if Chubb gets hurt, Hunt is easily a top five back every week. So I don't know. Is there any other running backs you want to talk about? Yeah, so I have two more I want to talk about. Okay. Devin Singletary and Jonathan Taylor. I have Singletary. Let's see where I have him. I have him as a top 20 lock mm-hmm. with top 10 to 15 potential. Like okay. not be in the top 10, but anywhere from 10 to 15 he could fall. Yeah. I mean, I love Devin Singletary. I have it at 23. And I was so excited for him coming into this season because, what was it? Was Gore, on, Gore was on the Bills last year. Yep. Yeah. He's now gone. And I was like, it's going to be Devin Singletary's team. He played really good down the stretch, really good in PPR. And then they go and they draft Zach Moss. And I just don't understand why they did that. And Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, has already been on record saying um, he wants uh, Zach Moss to handle the goal line work and, and kind of the early down work. And then he said, he literally said he wants Devin Singletary to kind of assume the same role he did last season. And I'm just like, dude, why? So, I mean, if he's not getting the goal line work, and if he's just kind of playing the same role he was last season, like with Frank Gore on the roster, I just like I'm frustrated because like I don't agree with that. I think he should be the feature back in this offense, but I just don't know if they they see him as that. And so that's the only yeah. reason why it's hard for me to put him higher. But if if Zach Moss isn't there, I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean he's a top 15 back probably heading into this season. Yeah. So to counter argue you on this one, uh, please convince last... me because I like Devin Singletary. Okay. So last year, Devin Singletary had nearly 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Okay. Frank Gore had nearly 700 mm-hmm. in their roles. This year, Devin Singletary is in year two of the offense. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore has gone. Zach Moss steps in. 
year one of the offense. Zach Moss does not know the NFL like Frank Gore did. So I think automatically his production and his usage goes down from where Frank Gore was at just because of that. And Zach Moss was injury prone in college, which means more touches for Devin Singletary. I'm not saying he's going to be like 1500 yard rusher, 500 passing or receiving yards, but he's going to get like the usage to be a top 10, 15 fantasy running back. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, like to your point, I think he's talent is he has the talent to be a top 15, top 10 running back. I just don't know if they, they want to use him in that and to give him that workload. And even with like Frank Gore, like I know like Zach Moss wasn't there last year and Frank Gore knows the offense. I don't know. I just don't feel like they're going to really, his touches aren't really going to go up. And for me to move him into that tier, that echelon with like top tier, you know, top 10 running backs, I just, I don't feel super confident doing that. So that's why I have it 23. But yeah. I mean, he could be a steal. I mean, I know this news about, you know, uh, Zach Moss being drafted and then what Brandon Bean said, it's made a lot of people kind of, you know, not touch him really in early mock drafts and stuff that I've been in. So yeah. I don't know. Jonathan freaking Taylor now. Yeah. So, I have a hot take with him. Okay. I have. I also have him around the same range as Singletary, top 20 lock. Um, the thing is, though, Marlon Mack, at moments last year, was a top 10 running back. Mm-hmm. He got injured and was not a top 10 running back when he was mm-hmm. injured, obviously. And when he came back, he was so far behind in the rankings, he couldn't catch up. Mm-hmm. But still played really well. He had top 10 weeks when he was mm-hmm. playing. Um, Jonathan Taylor is an elite running back in comparison to Marlon Mack. Amazing. I think Jonathan Taylor, every year, or not every year, most years when a rookie running back of Jonathan Taylor's caliber comes into the league, they end up in the top 10 running backs. I think Jonathan Taylor will end up at the top 10 this year if he gets the sole carries. Completely agree. I agree completely. And And I think he is getting the sole carries. Like, do you want to hear, this is, I don't know if you'll judge me for this, um, I have Naheem Hines ranked higher than Marlon Mack in my fantasy running back rankings. See, I don't disagree because of what you were talking about earlier. How you were saying that he's <laughs> like going to get all the passing catches from Phil Rivers. Yeah. But Marlon Mack is way more talented. Totally. In the running game. But Marlon Mack is so non-existent in the passing game. And he's good. But I think I think a lot of running backs could be pretty good behind that offensive line. Number one. And... Number two, man, this is Jonathan Taylor's team. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I wanted the Dolphins to get him in the draft. We had a couple chances to. I think it's his team. I think he's getting all the touches. Um, if you if you think about Marlon Mack, let me go to where I wrote about Marlon Mack really quick because I had a my argument for why I'm really low on him. Um, I have Marlon Mack as as my number 46 running back. And last year, like you said, he was in and out of the, the lineup with injuries and stuff. But he had 261 touches. That's number. You know, that's definitely going to at least be cut in half. Yeah. And he's not really involved in the passing game too much. So I think they're going to use Naheem Hines a lot. The general manager and everybody's already been on record saying that. Uh, the same offensive coordinator that was uh, in San Diego with Phillip Rivers and Danny Woodhead, who when Danny Woodhead caught 90 balls, is now in Indianapolis with Frank or uh, is it Frank Wright? I always mm-hmm. forget his name. Frank Wright, Philip Rivers now, they're all reunited, all those guys, and they envision Naeem Hines having that kind of role. Like that. I'm not saying he's going to catch 90 passes. I don't think he's as talented yeah. as Danny Woodhead, but he's going to be featured a lot in the passing game. So I think Jonathan Taylor is that guy. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if the season started and like Marlon Mack was a little bit more involved, but 
to the end of the year, man, this is Marlon Mack's team. I think he's going to take over sooner than J.K. Dobbins does in Baltimore. J.K. Dobbins is probably a year away, but I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. there's been reports saying they want they envision a one-two punch between Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. I just don't see that at all. Yeah. Um, I don't really like his fantasy value. I'm not touching him at all. Um, this is Taylor's team. In my yeah. Opinion. Jonathan Taylor weighs 226 pounds and runs a 439. He averaged 300 carries and 2,000 yards <laughs> it's not even in fair. his college career. Didn't he have like three seasons with 2,000 yards or something? Yeah. Or was it, it was three? He had over 900 carries, and every year he had over 2,000 yeah. yards, I want to say. I think it's going to be run heavy between, behind the best offensive line of football, and I think he's going to get 250-plus touches. Um, but if you think about their skill sets, like Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, they're very similar, so they're going to cancel each other out. I don't think yeah. Jonathan Taylor is really that talented at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he's better than Marlon Mack, but it's yeah. not like he's going to be featured in that role. But I think because of the run-heavy volume in Indianapolis, he's going to see 200, 225 carries and – 20 catches a game, or a game, a year, I would say. Um, you ready to hear his college stats? What? You ready to hear his college stats? Shoot. 926 attempts, 6,174 yards, and 50 touchdowns over three years. <laughs> Not much in the passing game, but that's mm-hmm. just like historical of uh, Wisconsin. Not even col- just college. A lot of college backs aren't really. Mm-hmm. Like, Melvin Gordon had nothing in the passing game as a rookie coming in. And he's pretty good. But 42 catches, 407 and 5, though, over the three years. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. Averaged 6.7 yards per carry. He's incredible. Like, I can't even believe, like, I know this this year was, like, a little light with running backs where in years past there's always one or two that kind of goes in the first round. But this year there was, like, none, besides Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, of course. Yeah. But I'm just surprised that – he fell to the Indianapolis Colts. And I think it was almost a matter of, like, I don't think they were in the market for a running back, really. But the fact that he fell to them, I think that, like, you can't pass up on this guy behind our offensive line. I don't think they're going to wait, like, yeah. a long time and just ease. I don't think they want to put – because, like you said, he had a lot of carries in three years in Wisconsin. He has a lot of mileage on him. So I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, hey, let's let's use him now behind this great offensive line and let's uh, enjoy the benefits from it. Um, do you have anybody else? That's, a, that's all I got. I got – Two more, and I'll make it really quick, and then we can wrap up. Philip Lindsay. What do you think about Philip Lindsay? I. It's his team until Melvin Gordon shows it's his team. I feel like. I don't know. <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's obviously the better running back. Yeah. Obviously. But he's been good, so you can't just say like, it's he's not he's not relevant anymore. I have him as where is it? I have him in – I have him very low on uh, Philip Lindsay this year. I think he's he's effectively um, done fantasy-wise. And I have him as my running back – where is it? Uh, 31 this year. And to your point of him being really good, listen to this. Only Todd Gurley, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, and Christian McCaffrey have more rushing yards than Philip Lindsay, who was an undrafted free agent two seasons ago. He's been really good. I just know that when Melvin Gordon is signed, Pat Shermer, he's always traditionally used one running back as a workhorse. He doesn't to believe in timeshares, whether it's Dalvin Cook, I mean, whoever it is. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon's team, and I'm, I don't know. I just wanted to hear if you if you thought differently on with me than uh, Philip Lindsay. Um, I don't disagree at all. 
I, just, I don't think he's going to disappear, but I just don't think he's going to have enough volume to really become like some fantasy starter every single week for you, week in and week out. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, I think, is much better as a runner and a uh, catcher yeah. than Philip Lindsay is. And, I mean, that's just obvious with draft status, with production. But, again, it's you're, you're talking about the incumbent starter who hasn't been bad. It's not on an expiring contract. It's it's a tough situation. Yeah, but I agree. Melvin Gordon's better. I could easily see it being his team. I just, I don't want to say it's his team until it's his team. Yeah, I'm just having a tough time with that one right there because I'm like, I don't really know what to think about this backfield. Like, I know Pat Shermer's track record, but I also know who he has on his roster, and I don't think he's really had two running backs as talented as Gordon and Lindsey before to really differentiate. No, Last, I can't think. I don't know. I mean, I know he's had Saquon Barkley with you guys. I know he's had, uh, which is obviously. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously playing, getting all the carries, and then Dalvin Cook when he was in was he in, he was in Minnesota a couple of years ago, right? Correct. Um, last player I want to talk about, and I cannot believe I'm even saying this, but somebody that I I think I will have a lot of shares of, and I I'm gonna wash my mouth out with soap after this. I have him as my 19th ranked running back, but somebody who I think I'm gonna have a lot of shares of this year in PPR leagues is Le'Veon Bell, despite the fact that he's on Adam Gase's putrid team and he's on the Jets and their offense is going to be super good although I do think they'll be better than they were last year because they, they've made some improvements Mekhi Becton and um, Denzel Mims through the draft Yeah. the only reason why I'm high on Le'Veon Bell um, I have him ranked 19 but I'm high on him is because last year he was seen as a bust but if you look at his numbers he consistently put up RB2 numbers so he really didn't like fall off Like he wasn't like Eddie Lacy in 2015 drafted top 3 and then you know was like RB30 he put up RB2 numbers consistently, but he was selected in the first round, so it just it felt like it was a bad season, like it was a bust. Now this year, he's going to like the third or fourth rounds. And yeah. I, I know they brought Frank Gore in, and that's just absolutely awful. I have no clue why Frank Gore, he's like 78 years old and he still plays. I just think that in that with that price, I will have a ton of shares of Le'Veon Bell, despite the fact that he plays in Adam Gase's offense, despite the fact that Frank Gore is there. I think it's his offense. He's talented. I'll easily take Le'Veon Bell in the fourth round. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's like one of the surest things in the fourth round you can find. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, I want to say I had him around like fifteen ish in my rankings, which is running back too, like you said. Mm-hmm. In the fourth round, that's a good value. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it's just because of value, not because I'm like thinking he's gonna, you know, somehow Adam Gase is gonna turn into Bill Belichick overnight and scheme up the the best, you know, game plan, just because of the value. So yeah. Is there any other topics you want to hit before we close this thing out? No, that's it. And we don't have any mailbag today either. No so mailbag. Next week, next week, make sure you guys send in questions in mailbag, and we will answer them for you guys. Yeah, and while you're doing that, comment on the YouTube video and even just in the review, who do you think won the trade between Alex and TJ? <laughs> Alex traded Aaron Jones, and he received Ezekiel Elliott from TJ. I'm very convinced or, or uh, interested to see what you think. So, I, I'm, I need to log <laughs> before we end this. Before we end this, I need to go log into my fantasy and see if I could see who else I had. So I tried it. It's, it's You can't log into it unless ah. you know something different. I tried the other day because I was like thinking about that. I was like, I remember that trade. Can we, before we go, I know we're over time. I was laughing so hard. I was thinking about 2014 or 2015. Oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> AJ Green, weeks one through nine, AJ Green was just absolutely awful. It was such a bust. And then, weeks, and then Randall Cobb was like 
Antonio Brown, <laughs> like in PPR leagues, I traded Randall Cobb for AJ Green, and I remember I remember where we were at when we did, when I agreed to the trade. I remember walking away thinking like this is the biggest risk, but I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like something's in my gut is telling me to make this trade. After that trade, Randall Cobb was just nothing, and AJ Green had like one of the most elite second halves of seasons you could ever have in fantasy. So <laughs> you're still salty about that, Barry. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Cool. Just mail back, mail back next week, guys, and then, like Alex said, let us know who won the <laughs> the, the trade. I I feel like we need to figure out what the full picture was. We need to get like Kevin to reactivate the league so we get the details. Yeah. Because like I feel like just hearing what we said of you getting Zeke and Shark for Aaron Jones. Well, there was it, I gave you another player. Yeah. It makes it sound like you won with just that though. Yeah. I, I need to remember who the other player is because I feel Here's like it was we'll a very even out trade. Here's what we'll do. Once this podcast is over. We'll figure out who it was, and we'll post it on Twitter. So that's why you need to be following us at ATS Football Pod at TJ Shriano, at Alex Burns Hoops. Keep in touch because we're going to post uh, some of those trade details so you can see. Uh, all right, well, without further ado, thank you guys for listening. As always, guys, enjoy your football. Have a good week. See you guys next week. See ya.